Welcome to the second episode of the Transformers podcast. Uh, I'm Sean Murphy and this is Thomas Burr. We will be describing the episode of Transformers, followed by a brief description of the fifth season and Generation 2, if there's anything worth mentioning. Talk about what we liked and didn't like about the series, go over some stuff that was stupid about the series, including what Starscream did to save the Bottlebots every episode. Not stupid. Not stupid. And we end every episode with a character segment of one of the G1 characters talking about the description on their original toy, as well as what their fate was after the Transformers movie. This episode is a review of the original Transformers, Season 1, Episode 2. You can watch it to understand most of what we are talking about, but it is not necessary to enjoy the podcast. And our podcast is already off to a great start because during the recording of this, we referred to Skywarp as Thundercracker. Thomas, do you want to try to describe the episode? Would you like me to try take a shot at it? Uh, let's see. There's energon cubes. Well, remember, the cliffhanger was the water is on fire and all those humans are going to die because Optimus can't lift up a piece of metal. And this is kind of weird because the Transformers, can they actually swim as big as they are? In the beginning of episode two, Optimus couldn't lift that metal in episode one, but episode two, he just goes, whoop, humans are free. <laughs> It's like how, you know, you watch a show like Digimon. They'll be like, I'm out of energy at the cliffhanger. And then the beginning of the next episode, they just have full energy again as if last episode didn't happen. Friends are in trouble. I have to save my friends. Now I'm stronger. Super Saiyan level two. (laughs) (laughs) They save them. And then we suddenly get Transformers from the perspective of a human. I've been waiting for this my whole life. So the human element of Transformers. Yeah, that's definitely what I come to a robot cartoon for what do the humans think well what's funny is uh spike doesn't actually show up in every episode the humans aren't always a big part of the episode all the time sometimes he might just be there and not in part of the episode or sometimes he's just written out entirely okay that's good to know because yeah i'm not really fond of like the human element some of the later series actually do it in an interesting way uh transformers prime I like the humans in that. I didn't like them at first, but then, yeah, they definitely become better. But, yeah, I guess it's good to hear the spike spark plug. Maybe there'll be more humans. Oh, just wait. There's a few more humans. Okay. Well, there's one more main human, and then there's a supporting character who shows up for one episode. Oh, that's right. There's an evil scientist that shows up that works with the Decepticons at one point. Wow. There's evil humans? Yes. (laughs) I guess that'll be interesting to look for, too. Yeah, I guess I should preface this. Uh, We're going to mention spoilers whenever we feel like it. (laughs) Because we're going to jump around from anywhere in the Transformers universe, but we'll try not to give you too many overtly spoiler things. It's been over 30 years, people. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I should do is point out the summary of this episode. What was that? Let's see. They save the humans. Sparkplug and Spike say they'll teach them about humanity so that they can help work with them and all that stuff. And then all I remember is Megatron goes to steal the crystal mines of Burma. Then an explosion happens, and I guess there was some stuff in the middle where they just fought a lot. Wow, it's like I remember specific things, but now I can't remember what... The episodes, the first three episodes, are all over the place. It's just from plot point to plot point to plot point to plot point, like over and over again. Well, I mean, it w- they were making progress. It, it wasn't like it was just you're losing track of like what's happening. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was all making sense. Was Megatron's just going from site to site to site just to find energy sources that he can use to make convert to energon. 
So I'm going to tell you about... Uh, actually, no, I can't tell you about it because my memory is hazy. So we're going to have Optimus Prime describe to you what happened last episode. Still working on that special school project? Yeah, it's taking a lot of time. Let's get to it then. Where was I? He told me about how Cybertron was almost out of energy. So the Autobots went into outer space looking for more. But the Decepticons attacked. And called you guys to crash land on Earth. Luckily... The ship's computers repaired us all, using Earth planes and cars as the blueprints. Thanks! But the Decepticons were still as evil as ever. That's right. And they were determined to plunder the Earth for its energy, no matter what the cost to human life. <laughs> it's a good thing you Autobots showed up. Help! We can't get out! Somebody save us! Optimus forgets to narrate the rest of it, I guess. <laughs> so it's like you know the rest. Like he, uh, old so, man Optimus just falls asleep. So now here is Optimus Prime telling us what was going to happen in this episode because apparently we can't remember it so well. <laughs> hey Prime, this story's great. Wait till you hear what happens next. The Autobots become friends with the humans. I don't know who you are, but you saved our lives. We are the only ones who can stop the Decepticons. But my son Spike and I know more about Earth than you do. Hmm, maybe you can help us. The Decepticons create tidal waves to destroy the Sherman Dam. It's lucky. The river's rising! And we track the Decepticons to the mines of Burma. I will build the ultimate weapon to defeat the Autobots, to control the planet, to conquer the universe! <laughs> But now I've got to go. This must be some special project. It is, and I'll tell you all about it as soon as I can. Now I've really got to get back to Autobot City. Would you like a ride? You bet. <laughs> so the you interrupted a good story, Tommy. <laughs> so the ride that Optimus gives, he basically stands on his shoulder, and Optimus flies him into space. Even though Autobot City's on Earth, but whatever. His blood doesn't evaporate at all. <laughs> <laughs> and Autobot City is the the thing from the movie, and so. I just think it's funny that Tommy apparently lives in Autobot City, and I guess there's a lot of humans there, like, just going to school, and, you know, they have hospitals, and I guess they live with the Transformers. Who knows? That's, right. what, that's what I'm getting from this. That's the continuity I'm generating listening to well, this uh, hopefully episode. that happened, and they were able to educate more humans about aliens so that their first <laughs> instinct isn't just to attack them upon sight. Wait, Frost. <laughs> so so what, what, you, what you heard, actually, was from the season five of Transformers where they just re-edited the episodes together with an intro of, of a live-action kid in Optimus Prime. He basically described the, the previous episode and the, the current one we're going into. The thing that people remember most about this episode is Optimus fighting with his neon glowing axe and Megatron fighting with his neon glowing mace, which has been reused everywhere. It happens in the comics continuity of the new comics in each of the IDW and the Devils do. Even in Devastation, the main weapon you power up is like eight different axes, axes. of different colors that can freeze, do fire, do lightning. So, like, this is something that has only shown up in one episode, but people remember this all the time. Oh, wow. 
And I guess this, people get to see this dynamic of just, here's a guy who's never watched the original Transformers, doesn't have that much of a foundation. It's weird that everybody, that was the thing they took away from that particular fight. I took away something a little bit different from that. I was only concerned about the dialogue. Here, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. All right. So I forgot one segment. So Generation 2, those re-edits, nothing of significance in that episode worth mentioning. All right, go back to your story. <laughs> uh to me, the dialogue is what stood out most to me. Uh, not so much the fighting with the axes, because they were just, to me, they were just beating on each other. That didn't really impress me. It was just the sick burn that Optimus was just putting on Megatron. Just basically saying that Megatron was going to lose because he was too old. Yes. Let's see what I got well, from let's that. Let's see what exactly, what did he say? Yeah, he said junk. <laughs> That's what you are, junk, and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, what I got from that, now that I'm older, is that he was doing that to make him angry so that he would make a mistake. But instead, he just kicks Optimus to the ground, and it didn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so when he said that, I, I thought it was maybe this is kind of like referencing the past history. That's just some bleed and lore that I picked up over the years that I don't actually think applies to G1. He was, it just seemed like Optimus was just calling him old, just to call him old. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, well, there's no fighting in the pits for, as you'll see in season two or three episodes, I think the only episodes you've seen of G1 are the movie and the ones I showed you about how Optimus Prime was created before we did this podcast. And you saw about back then, they were just saying Megatron's just this new Transformer type that everybody's looking up to and they don't yet know he's evil. The one thing I find interesting is about the damn sequence is I do remember that as a kid, them fighting with these things because it was just cool weapons to have. Mm -hmm. So you're like, that's awesome. So because it's the pilot, so one of the things they did later was just say they don't actually actually have these powers and they never used them again they actually said that in an episode like no they, they don't actually say that i'm just saying like the writers the creators were like well that's no longer a power don't ever mention it again oh, okay there's no explanation for it not being used again whenever they battle in one way it doesn't make sense in another way it does make sense it seems weird that soon that the rest of the series is going to continue to have a lot of like melee combat like hand-to-hand -hand fighting and stuff like that oh yeah which okay, why would you take away their weapons if they're going to just be doing a lot of fighting like that? Why not keep those around? It probably but takes then, more on, to animate. On top of that, why do Megatron and Optimus, why don't all the other Transformers have some kind of like energy weapon or anything like that? So yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess it doesn't, it, yeah, it makes sense that it's gone. One thing I liked about the entrance was you got to see all the Transformers use their various powers to put out the fire and stuff like that. When I watched it, I was like, okay, oh, that's cool. That's an effective way of showing what each Transformer's power is without being so blatant. Because later in the episode, Ironhide's like, I'm going to chase Thundercracker down. And I feel like that scene is only there to show you that Thundercracker can teleport. And that's the only reason that scene exists. Okay, yeah. Like, it didn't seem like it was integral to the plot at all. It's like we have a minute to fill, let's write something, and then that scene happens. Okay, so, all right, so... There was a lot going on with that scene that was hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. Because one, I didn't know that there were any Transformers that could actually teleport. But I guess that Thundercracker is a yes. Transformer. That, that's just, it's just basically his gimmick. But watching that scene, did it seem kind of odd? Ironhide's going after him. They're chasing him. Who was the other tran Autobot that was with them that was like trying to cool him off and tell him to stop chasing? Um, I can't remember. But I originally thought what was going to happen is the other Autobot that followed with him was going to get blown up or shot down. And then, like, Optimus would chastise him for it. But instead, Optimus is just like, I, I love everyone and I care about it. So, like, I'm going to make sure you're okay. Like, I know that's referencing e episode three, but I just had to mention that when you mentioned the powers. Yeah, because... so I guess it was Blue Streak that was actually, like, flying with them. It all just seemed kind of weird, just that whole sequence. But, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll drop that for now. One thing I think is funny is I have to play this because it's just so hilarious in retrospect to hear. Auto 
Pox to the air. <laughs> that's that's the iconic line. What's so funny? Autobots to the air. Because <laughs> uh, later, of course, the Autobots will not be able to fly at all. Yeah, that and, was another thing that was... Yeah, the Autobots can't fly. Why can some of the Autobots fly, though? Well, remember, this is the pilot. So what happened is there was a three-episode pilot, and the first three episodes were aired one every day, and then it started, I think, weekly after that, so they could air them in a weekend. I can't remember how the format was. But yeah, so that's basically a pilot, and then the series is picked up and worked off from that, and from the pilot, they like this was a really rushed pilot, as you can see with animation errors all over the place. There's at one point like seven reflectors like flying through the air with opti- uh, with uh, Megatron. Megatron, and I'm like, do you really need six cameras <laughs> on your team? They yeah, just found them on the back of the ship. They're like, oh, I'll tag along. I just want to mention one thing in the episode that was also occurring around the fight uh, when Megatron and Optimus were fighting on top of the dam. There was another iconic fight that was happening in the water between Rumble and Hound. Well, Rumble's beating on the ground and Hound goes down under there to stop him. And they're fighting underwater, but I guess they I guess they don't really show the whole fight. But Did you see Hound has a face mask, even though it doesn't block the water from coming in from the bottom? Oh, I didn't notice that detail. Yeah. <laughs> animation quality clearly didn't make that uh, as noticeable as it should have been I just thought it was pretty funny how they show them two fighting Rumble comes out of the water he's getting out of the water and Spike is there just so concerned about like oh no where's Hound and he, he asked that question to the evil Decepticon that they know are evil Decepticons he thinks he's going to get an honest answer it's just like just like and what, and what does he do he just shoves sho- him out of the way rumble shoves him out of the way just like get the hell out of my way kid and it should have just been ended there he should have just went about his business and just go look for where hound is get in the water and ask for help he decides in another i'm a stupid human he decides to tackle rumble and like fight over a, a decepticon you're gonna fight a giant transformer but then he goes then he goes underwater lifts a rock twice his size and frees the transformer that couldn't get out himself yeah it's just ridiculous for him to tackle like rumble and rumble just grabs him by a collar and basically like like it's like choking him and he's just crying out for help and makes the optimus have to like leave his fight it's just like come on are you what are you thinking attacking <laughs> with no weapons you just tackle a robot <laughs> and also how how bad is hound that he gets taken out by a the mini guy. decepticon yeah, yeah. the same way that laser beak took out the two last time oh yeah yeah hound so, lost the laser beak basically oh that's right shot. it was the same guy yeah so, wow hound is he, awful like, he said he job. thought his like his drive axle or very drive axle was broken or something how i'm gonna wait till is next. he just gonna be one of the jobbers but no one thing i thought was funny is there was a really big error at one point so ravage is in tape mode to get information about sherman dam right mm-hmm. ravage is captured Soundwave escapes Soundwave is then playing ravage back to megatron with the information about the dam which he shouldn't have because all the information is on ravage in his tape form who is captured by the autobots did they play that before or after because oh, ravage no. eventually escapes after no, this is episode two yep ravage escapes in episode three so right immediately after Soundwave escapes he plays the information that should only be on Ravage because Ravage was a tape inside Teletran 1 to get the information, which means the information's only on him. So Soundwave wouldn't have that information, but he's playing it back to Megatron, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's weird. Well, well, I guess I, I, we probably should have to go back and look at that. I wonder if he was just playing the, inf- the information he was playing was probably... No, he had a tape in him, drawn in him. 
which would have been Ravage, but oh, Ravage but is captured. Oh, but Ravage wasn't there, yeah. Yes. And um, I was just like, wow. Yeah. There was another uh, another moment that I thought was I thought was pretty funny. There were two things going on. It's just that this whole episode, it was just the Decepticons just going from site to site, getting all these Energon cubes. What were the Autobots doing this whole time? They- Waiting until they attack, and then they go to fight the Decepticons. But they, but the Decepticons were succeeding. They almost had all of the Energon they needed. Well, we're yeah. not going to mention why they didn't get all the Energon they needed on time, because Starscream was involved, but we're going to go past that. Well, here's the thing <laughs> is, I think that there are a lot of episodes in between episode one and two that happened, mm-hmm. because at one point they're like, well, we got enough Energon to use in this spaceship. I'm like, they I mean, must yeah. have been attacking so clearly, multiple yes, things. They, yeah, clearly so a lot of time has passed because they're going to need a lot of Energon, especially if they're saying they have enough of Energon to like power the whole planet or take over the whole planet of Cybertron. Yeah, I mean, uh, but oh. that still that still just brings me to the question: What were the Autobots doing that whole time? I assumed they were going to fly to Earth to begin with. That's the planet that they detected had an energy source that they could use, or maybe it wasn't. But clearly, they have the capability of detecting energy sources, and they had con- they already made contact with the humans. Why didn't they speak to the humans? Why didn't the humans speak with the military, the cops? He- these guys are good guys. Can we get them the resources they need? No, they were just hanging out in the base <laughs> half the time. The Decepticons are more than capable to get all the Energon they needed to power up their ship and repair their stuff, but yeah, where are the Autobots getting their Energon? Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, that that all that part seems odd. It seems like. They finally start getting energy when they take it from the Decepticons and they start doing their own thing after they steal it from the yeah. Megatron fold. One thing I thought was odd is uh, power from that dam is not enough to make an Energon cube. So Megatron's just like, we'll make a tidal wave. I was like, do you not understand how energy works? Like you'll be able to make maybe a squat of like an ounce of Energon and then you'll blow up the whole dam and not be able to make anymore. I'm like, do you not know how anything works? Well, yeah, like, I guess it, it seemed like an odd plan. I mean, it kind of makes sense because the tidal wave is a eventually he's going to overwhelm the dam and break yeah. it up but i guess he just wanted to, he didn't care he just wanted just the, the the little the limited amount of time that he had make mm-hmm. the the transformers run at peak he was just going to use that and just just like whatever. what do you think their solution about their solution to the dam is just to shoot holes in the earth so the water keeps flowing in and then like saving all the earth people's homes they're like yeah neighbor good job because we yeah. don't know you're a transformer yeah uh, that was kind of funny just the, the whole yeah that's just you know old cartoons like the hole was the hole was probably like three feet deep they stopped that 30 foot towering wave oh they created <laughs> multiple holes remember so but it was still pretty big by the time they got to those people's houses and they were just sitting on top of the house it was like you guys weren't going to survive sitting on top of your house regardless you're lucky that these aliens showed up out of nowhere because <laughs> that wave is going to take out the house completely one of the things i liked is is how Optimus Prime is viewed in this episode. At one point, Mirage is like, why don't we just go back to Earth? It's to show more of Mirage's character about, like, I just want to go back to Cybertron. Mm-hmm. I don't like war. But he's questioning, and Optimus is like, no, we need to stop the Decepticons because they're evil. They're going to do all this stuff. If they so get you, like, all the Energon, they're going to take over the So universe. you see more of what... You already know what Megatron's personality is like from the first episode. He's like, I want to rule everything, kill all the Autobots. But then in this episode, you see more of how Optimus Prime is like. He's like, no, we must do this because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Though I did think it was funny, like, there's a scene where Optimus says, I don't like this, and his eyes glow with a sound effect, <laughs> like, to really hype up something bad is gonna happen, which, of course, ends up being the explosion that explodes in his face. Yeah, there but, was also a side of me where, like, Optimus is honorable, all that stuff, all the qualities you want in a good leader. He cares about those fighting with him. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed a little odd. Maybe he just had a little something against Bumblebee. What? So, what you... so towards the end of the episode, I think it was Will Jack or Jazz... 
yeah. he gives Bumblebee and Sparkplug the bomb, the plant in the mine, because they're oh, yeah. the smaller ones that go in there. They're, 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 those two are going to be the ones that go plant the bomb and get out. But obviously, they get captured. They tag team the hell out of Bumblebee. One guy, one, one, guy one tra- he's <laughs> holding his arms, and the other one's just going to town and stomach, just giving him haymakers to stomach. <laughs> what do you think about the old human father tries to bum rush Thundercracker? Yeah, he just throws him against I the wall. Him. He's done immediately. Humans, y'all, they're so dumb. Why are you trying su- to fight these monsters? I'm surprised the next scene isn't them getting Sparkplug out of the rubble. And he's like, kid, I can't feel my legs. Yeah. And it's, yeah, uh, they, it's like, what? That, yeah, that was weird too. After, like, how did you survive this explosion? But nobody, funny. nobody asked the question because of the point I'm getting ready to make is that so obviously Optimus thinks something's gone wrong. He mm-hmm. goes in. Well, he doesn't go in. He was just going to handle it. He goes to the front of the entrance, the entrance of the mine, and he sends in Roller, his little <laughs> moon rover thing. He sends that in, and he and the bomb goes off. So yeah. now there's Sparkplug, there's Bumblebee, and there's this this robot that I'm not even sure can speak. It's just a remote-controlled robot. Well, here's the thing is, Roller can't speak, but Optimus has such pain in his voice from that he thinks Roller's dead. Yes, He's like... Yes. He doesn't, call, he doesn't call out Sparkplug. He doesn't call out Bumblebee. He calls out for this Roller. Well, that, that's what makes me think that Roller is like Ravage and Laserbeak and that they're smaller living Transformers, but they just don't have the ability to talk and things like that. I'm thinking that that's, that's Roller is similar to them. Okay, but so why can so Okay, so fine. He can show affection for Roller, but why not for Bumblebee? Bumblebee's <laughs> been fighting for you too. And the, and the make thing, and to make it clear that there's something going on between them two <laughs> is that at the beginning beginning of the next episode he all the autobots go run to check on optimus nobody's asking about bumblebee nobody's concerned about the explosion that just happened spike is there they don't show him i assume he's upset that his father presumably died because he's a human who one he had to survive the explosion of the bomb then the cave-in on top of that these guys are probably hurt and dead nobody's asking about he was just inside bumblebee when it happened perfectly safe he wasn't in the rubble they both were sitting by themselves and they were they survived they hit in a minecart nobody asked about them all the autobots just standing around they wanted to see oh no optimus can't transform let's just do this is the problem not if our friends died in the cave (laughs) back to episode two but yeah yeah so what i thought was funny is what did you think about learning that some of the autobots aren't actually warriors there's huffer gears and brawn they're actually not made to be warriors they're forced to fight because they're here on earth with everyone else whereas decepticons they're all warriors yeah so that's a little i learned a little bit of that from just you know people talking about the comics and all that and just how i think I, i'm pretty sure that optimus in the comic he wasn't a warrior to start out with as mm-hmm. well but yeah i, I did th- i still think that's kind of cool interesting uh it makes sense why they generally get beat up by the decepticons a lot and yeah you, you would think that decepticons would have the edge you think they would have more of an edge this shouldn't be a hard thing to deal with but you know i guess optimus you know being the one caring everybody yeah he's yeah. hard to overcome you want to transition into hey boys we're gonna be movie stars you could technically say main characters are spike and huffer but not really it's just because they have a little bit more scenes for stupid moments we have starscream international cybertronian slingshot champion don't tell me what to do i'm not like the others i do what i want when i want optimus is hanging on a cliff for dear life and Megatron is stepping on his fingers, getting ready to pull off the killing blow, when who but Starscream blows up something that causes Megatron to tumble back and Optimus to get on his footing and fight once again. (laughs) 
And that's not all. Starscream does two things this episode. He no, uses a gun no. that depletes Energon, so they have to go on two raids instead of one to power we, their ship. You weren't supposed to mention that. We were supposed to overlook that mistake. So <laughs> That makes them have to stay on the planet even you're gonna longer. Like, you're going to like what I have to say, though. Starscream had a point. He said that they hadn't tested the energy at all. Now, they're on an alien world that they've converted the alien world's energy into Energon, and Megatron never thought to test it to see if it was explosive or inert or half as powerful. Technically, Starscream was right about that, but he should have used something... Because he is a scientist. But it, technically, he shouldn't have used the most power-absorbing gun. He could have used something smaller like an alarm clock. It's much more cooler to blow up mountaintops, okay? <laughs> if you're going to test it, test it right. <laughs> so technically, even though he had a good idea, he prevented the uh, he prevented them from leaving to Cybertron one raid early. <laughs> and again, I'm still in love with the scenes of the Starscream just mouthing off the Megatron as usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing I thought was kind of stupid is Spike thinks the Autobots might be from the future. Oh, really? Yeah, at one point in his journal, he's like, I think they're from the future. It's like, do you think that they're from the future of Earth? Like, oh, I'm a little confused yeah. as to what you're thinking. It's like, we, we built robots, and they became sentient, yeah. and now they came back to the future. Back to episode one, Soundwave breaks into the Autobot base to get information from Teletron 1 to search for more energy sources. Well, if the computer was so useful, why did you leave the Ark in the first place and just leave the not-dead Autobots all over the place? Why don't you just clean up all the bodies, take it over for yourself... But then, of course, we wouldn't have a series. Take some of the that. resources to build your own ship instead of just going back and building, starting from, they were starting from essentially scrap when they were building their own base. That was definitely a, a stupid moment to me. They must be there actually looked, uh, listened to the deleted scenes, but there was only one off dialogue sentences every now and then, so there was nothing worth reviewing in this episode. When it comes to retcons, though this isn't really retcon related, I think it's funny that there's a deleted script where Spike knows Sherman Dam is being attacked because Teletran 1 is hooked into an emergency alert system that did not exist in America until 13 years in the future. The exact same thing he is predicting actually exists in the real world 13 years later. I thought that was really hilarious yeah, uh, trivia to learn. And yet we still don't have, you know, Daniel's cool hoverboard from the movie. In any way, I would have liked to have that be predicted from the Transformers. <laughs> oh, fun fact. Dark, excessive, time, liberty. Burma is a real country and is now called Myanmar and supplies 90% of the world's rubies. Transformers is teaching us the history of the world. Also, there's a new segment I wanted to bring up. What was Megatron's power source? So far, <laughs> he's used oil. And in these episodes, he used hydroelectric power and rubies. Apparently, all of which can be converted into Energon. I, yeah, I guess, yeah, the Ruby ones was kind of weird to me, but I guess I assume Rubies are formed in a similar way to crystals, where, like, mm -hmm. they're just really old, really old coal. Yeah, yeah, eventually. Yeah, I just think it's funny. Like, anything that creates energy can just be converted to Energon. Either they're just so technically adv advanced they can just do that with anything, or who knows. So, still kind of weird how, like, the Autobots haven't learned the same fact and converted energy created energy from all these other sources around them <laughs> so do you, do you have anything else you want to mention about this episode before we go on to the character segment no that was pretty much it okay yeah just thought uh so the first two episodes i just like uh, there's a lot of optimus and megatron fighting each other they fight on the dam and even before that there's the scene and on the ship in the first episode and they just a lot of them fighting to really establish that they're the two main leaders and you'll learn more of their personality as the series goes on too so the character segment that we have for this time is we're going to go over shockwave oh yeah <laughs> 
Shockwave does not appear in this episode, but he's my favorite Transformer, which is why we're mentioning him next. His toy quote is clarity of thought before rashness of action. And his toy description is cold, brutal, scientific approach to war. Seeks to overthrow Megatron as leader of Decepticons because he believes logic says he would be better. As a laser gun can emit lethal beams of energy from anywhere on the electromagnetic spectrum. Gamma rays, x-rays, visible light, infrared rays, radio waves, etc. Flies in a laser gun or robot mode. High fuel use but can be powered by nuclear sources. He's often confounded by innovative emotional thinking. Uh, it's AI? Just, I just think his description is he's going to overthrow... Megatron, just so, like Starscream, yeah, right? I, yeah, I didn't think that there were any other Decepticons that basically had those very same ambitions. Well, that's and that... I definitely never got that vibe from Shockwave. I always thought that Shockwave was definitely just as capable as Megatron, that he could be a leader, that he's just as powerful as Megatron. Well, here's here's the thing: is Shockwave was one of the few characters who his personality in the Marvel comics and the cartoon are completely different. Mm-hmm. It becomes from them not being able to establish the Bible and communicate effectively as to how the character was going to be. When I read, I told you I had this first comics growing up. In the comic I read, Megatron and Optimus are fighting with, and it looks like the battle's going south for the Autobots when Soundwave, Shockwave just shows up out of nowhere, defeats everybody with a blast, and takes over as leader of the Decepticons next episode. And I'm like, holy, like, who is this guy? (laughs) And like, he just, in the next episode, he's just like commanding leadership. And it takes Megatron like two episodes, two issues, I think, to team up with Ratchet to overthrow him. (laughs) And because, because he's literally captured all the Autobots bots but ratchet therefore proving his superiority to megatron because he took them all over and these are the comics by the way not the cartoon but in the cartoon he's completely loyal so yeah the production schedule didn't give them enough time to fully transition fully find that information out there before they actually made it for all the uh, versions the cartoon shockwave's like completely loyal to him just like soundwave going to the fact of calling megatron on the phone every day for four million years yeah so yeah he's I, like, i'm bored i think i'll call megatron again and see if he's still alive yeah i never just being around transformers i never really got the vibe that he would be one to want to overthrow megatron it just seemed he was just another capable person that just was on the level of Megatron but he just followed orders he was just kind of happy doing his own thing but yeah it was some of the things that I've seen like parody videos of Shockwave is seeing him hang out in this little base <laughs> guarding this portal the whole time yeah. which yeah, in the, the cartoon, thing is the first he was a P appeared in the first episode yeah and Megatron and the first said episode, stay behind take exactly over. so the whole time no, no, make this clear. The whole time actually was four million years. Yes. Sound, Shockwave hasn't heard from these guys in four million years. This whole time, he was maybe, maybe, and after one million years, he shuts himself down. <laughs> and he checks in every one million years. But four million years that he was just hanging out yeah, like he'll on sh- this whole planet by himself. Like he'll was, sh- So and Megatron basically told told him like I'm leaving you in charge to run Cybertron. So so I did have questions like is it I, he left him in charge to run Cybertron? I, I assume all the Transformers that were alive left. So what yeah, there's he, no one on Cybertron so, but him. Yeah. So was he just and, or as you'll find out in the future, there's also an underground wave of female Autobots that are forming a resistance in future episodes. No, he never worried about that or maybe. Maybe that's why he was able to survive just fine from the four million years he was hanging out with all those those female transformers <laughs> no, they, but uh so i want to go over to the description of shockwave because there's some interesting facts about him his original name was astro magnum for the but he also had the name flashbeam and spark man in the scripts before they turned it to shockwave sounded like 
Mega Man Robot Masters. <laughs> and originally, his action figure was gray, and they changed it to purple for the cartoons and the comics and for the toy releases. And what's weird is that some versions of him in the gray form were actually sold in Radio Shack before the cartoon. It's just so weird. And it wasn't part of the Transformers line. And I can't even imagine if that's worth, like, probably worth a lot of money. I'm I would sure, think by yeah, now. probably. And uh, also, his trigger was, of course, where the male private area is. So when it came over to America, they had to re-put where it was. Oh, the, the actual figure. Yeah, yeah, I think that happened with Megatron as well. So also, despite being in the series from the beginning, he wasn't available in the original action figure line of season one character. He states he was the first released figure of the second season because I guess they really knew that people wanted him from watching him in the first episode. I guess a lot of people were like, yeah, I want to be on guard duty. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. But no, but seriously though, well, the funny the funny thing about him is he's the only non Takara figure to appear in the first season. Every single Transformer that shows up in the cartoon is a Takara figure from Japan, whereas Shockwave was not. He was not from them, so I don't know how why they bothered to incorporate another character from somewhere else. He was actually from a South Korean company called Toyko, and it seems like he was the only figure that this company ever made. They really, not a lot of people can find information about this. I just think it's weird that they're like, well, we're going to use your staple of hundreds of characters, but instead we're going to choose like 17 and then one over here from this this random company because it looks cool. So I just think that's really weird because then he became an actual Transformer and now Takara actually owns the rights to him and to redo him and all this stuff. I just think that's... That is kind of weird. I, maybe they were doing a favor to a friend or something. His, his company was struggling. They, they wanted to get this, like, this was his dream to have this... Uh, this uh, shockwave transformer well not transformer but figure maybe... succeed but it just wasn't making it and transformers came along and his buddy decided to give him life give him a lifeline <laughs> I just think it, I just think it's funny because it's like that's why he looks so different from the others why he has that eye um, and, the, and the handgun with like and... the like the cable that connects to the gun yeah and he also carries a gun that looks exactly like him in gun form yeah I didn't really think it. he definitely looks all completely different than in design just like yeah. the, the formula that they use to make Transformers, he, and that's because and he that's was why, from. That's yeah. why he is one of my favorite Transformers. It's just he just has a different look. Yeah, I just I really liked him from the comics because it looked he would take over the Autobots, and he did in the comics if he if he was in charge instead of Megatron. And and the only reason he fails is because Megatron teams up with an Autobot to take him out. Mm -hmm. But in the cartoons, he's completely loyal. But even then, in the cartoons, I thought he was cool because he didn't show up much, and when he did, it was to be like the the scientist and all that. And even the creator of it said he tried to incorporate Spock's personality into Shock wave when they originally made him yeah that's weird i don't know how would that even work <laughs> yeah and so okay the weirdest part trivia for shockwave is the voice actor for shockwave based his character on david warner's sark from tron that's how he tried to make him sound because tron had just come out two years prior yeah so he tried to make him sound like sark from tron well come many years later tron appears in kingdom hearts 2 who did they get to voice sark in kingdom hearts 2 not the original sark from tron but the guy who voiced shockwave <laughs> that based his voice on stark that's crazy that is the weirdest fact that i've learned on transformers I mean, but so yeah far. that would be the best guy to get if they're all just trying to like emulate well not all trying to emulate but one guy is the voice so the other one is trying to has been trying to emulate it for years <laughs> That was just so weird. And also, apparently, according to the TF Wiki site, Shockwave has the mo the highest quality knockoff toys because I guess everyone cares about him so much. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why that would be. Especially above Starscream, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, I still function. What was his fate after the movie? He's never seen again. Not in any of the manga, not in any of the Japanese Transformers was series. Was he in the movie? What happened with him in the movie? Uh, he shows up in the movie near the beginning and then just vanishes completely. So what happens is there is a comic book adaptation that came out for the 20th anniversary of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, or 25th, and they actually incorporated deleted scenes from the script. And so there's actually a scene where he dies. He actually tries to fight Unicron with some other Decepticons, and he gets squashed by his hand from his tower. Oh, okay. So so I, I assume he probably, I guess according to that comic book, he got killed off much earlier. Yeah, well this, well, this is near the end when Unicron's fighting Cybertron. Oh. So he gets killed initially trying to defeat him. But again, uh, this was in the original script. However, if it's not shown in the original cartoon, it, you can't consider it canon. I would assume, based on the information, you have to just assume he died, even without that information, since he never shows up ever. But, uh, well, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of sad. He just gets taken out in the movie, and he doesn't I mean, get to it, become it, a ghost. It's not surprising, you know, when you get up in age, you know, four million years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, it was just, uh, that was disappointing to learn that he really died for good and never got resurrected in any way or anything like that. But yeah, so, any final thoughts on Shockwave, uh, the best Transformer? No, I don't really have anything more to add to that, no. Yeah. Alright, well, thanks for listening to our second episode of Transformers. This is Sean and... Thomas. And we're signing out. Thanks for listening. See you. Thanks for YouTube user Transformers at the Moon for hosting every deleted audio segment from every episode of the Transformers. Thanks to tfraw.blogspot.com for the Season 5 and Generation 2 episodes. Thanks to tfwiki.net for information used in our Character Spotlight feature.